This is The Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Oman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA's Alistair Hall and I are speaking with Tom Zaki, founder and CEO of TerraCycle. TerraCycle is an innovative recycling company that has become a global leader in recycling hard-to-recycle waste. This conversation was recorded in late December 2017. Thanks, Katie. And um, yeah, thanks so much, Tom, for joining us uh, and coming back on the show. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Happy to and, be here. Great. And so it seems like a whole lot has happened in the last you know, year since you know, we last spoke. Um, TerraCycle. Um, I guess first and foremost, it's, uh, I hear recently you and TerraCycle were recognized at the UN at the That's most right. recent conference in Germany. Yeah. Um, with the Momentum for Change um, Lighthouse Award, and so um, congratulations. Could you tell us a little bit about that award and why TerraCycle was recognized? Absolutely. Um, so the uh, the Momentum of Change Award from the UN uh, was uh, given the TerraCycle because of the work we've been doing around bringing solutions to ocean plastic. Um, so if we take a, a step back a little bit, just for context, you know, TerraCycle has been uh, we're, we're headquartered in Trenton, New Jersey. Though we've been around for fifteen years, um, we operate in twenty one countries, and our mission is to eliminate the idea of waste. And we have three ways we do that, effectively three business units or three divisions that answer different uh, questions. Um, the first question uh, or our uh, major business unit is we ask, uh, is your product, uh, which could be a package uh, or the object itself, recyclable? And if the answer is no, which it typically is, you know, like a piece of chewing gum, diaper, pen, toothbrush, cosmetic package, flexible food package, and so on, we physically uh, set up systems to nationally collect and recycle that material. Um, our second uh, business unit, which is where this whole UN uh, award falls into and uh, ocean plastic, asks the, not the question, is your object recyclable, but is your object made from recycled material, which is a very different question. And there we try to integrate in unique uh, materials uh, that otherwise had no recycling solution to them into products. Um, and that comes in sort of three categories. You know, one could be closed loop. Um, a few years ago, we created the world's first pen product made from used pens all the way to, uh, um, you know, a cosmetic package made from used cosmetic packages and so on. Um, it could be, call it more social uh, based or, uh, uh, you know, like ocean plastic. So today, 25% of the world's uh, plastic ends up in our oceans, uh, and that washes up on beaches, uh, it's on uh, river shores, um, uh, but also directly floating in the ocean. And we collect all this material all over the world in every continent, and then refine it and turn it into, with the help of P&G, Procter & Gamble, you know, things like the Head & Shoulders bottle, which is what uh, mm -hmm. the UN recognized, but uh, also their dish soap bottle, and soon uh, other categories as well. Um, and so it really, you know, looks at how do you get that waste back into the supply chain, especially something so um, challenging uh, as uh, as ocean plastic. And then the third um, question we ask uh, is all about how do we move away from disposability altogether and move uh, uh, from disposable products and packages to durable ones that are borrowed and you and loaned, more like a circular economy process. Great. And so how did that um, 
partnership with uh, Head and Shoulders come about? Did you approach them or did they approach you? It's interesting, you know, usually um, I'd say 95% of the time we approach partners and share ideas and try to convince them to join. In the Head and Shoulders example, um, they're actually Procter & Gamble came to us and uh, uh, said that they had this uh, desire to really do something meaningful around uh, ocean plastic and wanted a partner uh, to help execute and TerraCycle became uh, uh, the partner and it became a huge success um, and it's still growing, uh, which is really exciting to see. That's great. And uh, so how is um, getting the ocean plastic? You know, certainly we've heard about, uh, you know, the Pacific Shires and all of the, you know, the garbage islands uh, yeah. that are sort of forming all over the world. But how does one physically get ocean plastic and put it into a usable form and Absolutely. get it onto the shelves? Yep. So there are um, two, you know, sort of primary methods. Um, either way, we don't physically collect in any of these methods. Instead, we um, partner with organizations, uh, either for-profit or non-profit, that are already collecting. So what, 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 <laughs> let me give you some examples. Um, a uh, uh, non-profit um, uh, uh, collection form could be like an NGO who is, uh, you know, has volunteers like the Surf Rider Foundation, the Ocean Conservancy, and smaller groups as well, who have um, volunteers cleaning up beaches, rivers, and so on. And these volunteer activities already are taking place all over the world. Hundreds and hundreds of cleanups happen uh, every year. And we partner with these cleanups. Uh, we provide them supplies like uh, plastic gloves, garbage bags, T-shirts, you know, whatever would help them uh, uh, do their collections. And uh, we also provide free transportation from wherever the waste is, which is usually in a very precarious uh, location in a, in, a, mm -hmm. in a sort of could be an odd form, if you will. These are not professional waste handlers. Um, and then take it to <clears throat> one of our warehouses from where we process it. Those are the, uh, call it the nonprofit side. The other interesting aspect is there's a whole for-profit side of uh, ocean plastic collection. And what I mean by that is there's, for example, in Latin America and Southeast Asia, you know, a lot of hotels and resorts will pay people to clean up the beaches in the morning so the tourists never see all the plastic that keeps washing. Mm. Um, or power plants may uh, have to bring lots of water into uh, their facility to clean uh, the reactors and so on, or cool their reactors, I apologize. Um, and that may be filled with ocean plastic. Uh, and so these are more professional sources uh, where you get the same material, but uh, not through a nonprofit collection. And it's the same from there. You know, we collect it, we take it to, the, uh, to our warehouses and then process it into a, a refined material that can then go into these bottles. That's great. No, so thanks so much for sort of explaining how that little supply chain works. And it's so great that it's... Um... You know, it's having, you know, such a great impact on so many different levels and uh, congrats for being recognized by the UN for it. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is just part of a larger uh, shift in the company about, you know, it seems uh, that you're really beginning to accelerate the company's growth. Yeah. Um, uh, we heard recently that TerraCycle just had its first uh, acquisition That's right. of a uh, fluorescent lamp and ballast. Uh, recycling company. Mm -hmm. And so could you tell us a little bit about that deal and how it came about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, about a month ago, we bought a company called AirCycle. It's a uh, Chicago-based uh, company, been around for about 30 years, um, and they do uh, light bulb recycling. 
Now, it's important to note that there's a whole class of waste out there called universal or hazardous waste. Mm -hmm. There's everything from batteries to medical sharps to light bulbs uh, and a few other things that you cannot legally put in your garbage. Uh, now, people do, but, uh, but you know, especially in businesses, that would be a, a, you know, something that, um, that the law would prevent. And that's mm -hmm. the case because something like a tube, like a fluorescent tube, has mercury uh, gas inside. So, you know, if these things break and release these uh, chemicals, especially in bulk, uh, that's a really big issue. And so um, AirCycle has been around for you know, quite a while, uh, and they've really built up a beautiful and profitable business on collecting and recycling uh, 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 light bulbs. And they also have a, a, an equipment division that does um, basically crushes uh, fluorescent tubes uh, and uh, uh, recovers the gas in a very safe way, compressing them uh, you know, so that you can get, be much more efficient on transportation. So we purchased them, uh, and uh, it's been so far fantastic. And I think what, what's the real reason for doing this is that, you know, here's a company that's been stable uh, uh, for many years. And I think by them being infused into our culture and seeing waste the way we see it uh, and sort of bringing all that creativity that we try to bring to waste on a daily basis, I think will really help them expand and grow their business significantly faster than uh, they were currently growing. And for us, it's important uh, because, you know, we're right now about a $30 million business. We want to at some point go public, which we need to be at least 60, 70 million to do. And we think we can accomplish that through our own uh, growth. I mean, this year we organically grew 20% and we think we can continue that. But we think uh, that a good way to accelerate that is to supplement that by doing more M&A. So we definitely have appetite. Uh, this first acquisition has gone very well, and we look forward to maybe doing one or two more in uh, 2018 uh, as a way to get to that next goal. That's fascinating. Yeah, I think, um, and I think late in a few moments, I think we're going to shift into uh, some of uh, the uh, your uh, equity aspirations and. Sure. But first, yeah. um, um, one thing I found interesting about this deal was, and um, you touched on a little bit that it's you know this is the compulsory recycling space, you know, rather yes. than, you know, mandatory. to date, yeah, mandatory, rather than you know whether or not I recycle or throw out my chewing gum. It's sort of you know it's all very volunteer based, and that's right. You know, working with partners on trying to inspire that change on a behavioral level so that, what you know maybe you just elaborate on you know this you know the difference between these two markets and how this is a different approach for TerraCycle. sure absolutely so I, I think you really nailed it um the uh uh, uh you know today most of what TerraCycle does is focused on voluntary um efforts uh and uh you know, it, it's collecting and recycling things that you can legally put in the garbage. So what we're um, uh, focused on is people doing, or, you know, we're doing the TerraCycle services because it's frankly the right thing to do. Now, that's very different if you pivot over to the type of business AirCycle does, the company we bought. And, and really where we want to do more acquisitions is this universal and hazardous waste space. Mm. Because there, the services are legally mandatory. And uh, so, you know, you can imagine it's very different to sell a product that people have to buy versus one that they don't have to buy. And so if we can build a substantial business uh, and have it grow on services people don't have to buy, we think that that insight that got us there will really do magic in the field of where people have to buy. 
And mm -hmm. what's exciting is that, you know, the universal and hazardous uh, waste space is a pretty big market in America alone. And it's relatively uninnovative. Um, so, uh, 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 you know, so for that reason, um, we think we can really infuse creativity, uh, uh, unique marketing and communication approaches, unique sales approaches, and really grow that, uh, that overall business. And the reason uh, as well we, we really feel this way, um, uh, you know, it's because if you think, and if you look at waste, it's not an area in general that has a lot of major innovation in it. You know, we're partly hmm. owned by major waste management companies in most countries, not in the US, but in Canada, for example, the largest Canadian waste management company owns 25% uh, of our Canadian business. Uh, they're called Waste Connections. Um, Suez, which is one of the largest waste management companies in the world, owns a third of our Western European business. So we have a really good insight into how waste management companies uh, function um, and what they think about. And really, the, you know, the simplification of a waste management company's business model is extract whatever value that you can find in the waste, sort of mine for the valuable resources like aluminum cans, paper, plastic, you know, that sort of thing, and everything else dispose of as cheaply as possible. Um, and there's many other ways to look at waste to get way more value out of it to make sure everything can be recycled, not just what is profitable to recycle. And, you know, we think by bringing this perspective to waste management companies, um, we can do that in really two ways. One is, historically, we've sold parts of our business to large waste management companies, and we will continue to do that. That's one approach, um, and it's worked well. And the other approach is perhaps buy uh, smaller waste management companies and bring them into the fold, if you will, uh, which is also now what we started doing. Uh, and so far, you know, uh, really happy with it, frankly. No, that's great. Yeah, thank you. Um, and you touched upon something there, you know, I think just from, you know, from the outside, um, always like reading about TerraCyclers, uh, seen some of the TV shows, um, seems like, you know, innovation and creativity is at the heart of what you guys do. Yeah. And what do you, uh, you know, how do we, how do you bring innovation uh, to an industry that is sort of traditionally not innovative? And a, yeah. what do you, and so what could you maybe share, shed a light on, you know, what is, what do you think is at the heart of, um, why TerraCycle is the way it is? It's a good question. Um, and I th the, the, what we try to do is really think about everything in a slightly different way um, than normal waste management companies do. I think that's, you know, so let me articulate that because that's, you know, it could be sort of a, a blobby statement. Um, what I mean by that is today, again, waste management companies make their profit through disposal and destroying mm -hmm. these materials. And they look at the materials as a liability. And what we try to look at is what are all the possible points of value beyond, and this is critical, beyond just the material value of the waste stream, which is the only way waste management companies today look at waste is the material value. So could there be reputational value? Could it drive foot traffic? Could it create whole sets of other exciting uh, uh, outcomes or, or ways to monetize the waste? Um, and that philosophy, I think, is the is one critical uh, sort of lens we bring uh, uh, to this entire uh, question. The second uh, critical philosophy is asking the question, why does waste even exist? And challenging that. 
And so, for example, our third business model um, that is uh, launching in about a year from now, we have some amazing founding partners from Procter and Gamble to Mars, you know, and Unilever, and a number of other major organizations like Nestle, um, who are working with us on challenging that very question. Uh, and in fact, you know, the outcome will be how do we move from disposable packages that are owned by the consumer, like when you go buy your shampoo bottle to ultra durable, amazing packaging forms that are never owned by the consumer and instead owned uh, always by the manufacturer and just loaned by the consumer. There's more to it and we can talk about it at some other time, but you know, this sort of model, you'd be shocked if a waste management company invented it, but it has to do everything with waste, which is mm -hmm. you know, questioning the foundational um, reason why waste even exists. Great. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I think that's uh, this yeah, a really great point point to make. Um, and so shifting gears a little bit, uh, I've been reading with interest about um, your um, uh, your own TerraCycle initiative and the the money you're hoping to raise under the under the Regulation A uh, equity jobs uh, sort of equity crowdfunding yeah. effort. Um, yeah. This is under the the Jobs Act that passed, you know, about two year two years ago. Yes, and um, so which is you know pretty uh, a new space for you know uh, for 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 companies as a way to raise money. Um, so could you tell us a little, a little bit about what um, what's happening there? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, as you mentioned, under the Jobs Act um, that was passed under President Obama, um, the uh, the goal was to um, create a new way of raising capital uh, that would allow anyone to take part. So, if we take a step back, you know, current startups raise capital under what's called Regulation D financing. D is in dog, and that um, is a great way to raise capital. We've raised a lot of money in in, uh, in that fashion. But it limits you to only accredited investors allow, uh, being allowed to invest. Now, what does that mean? An accredited investor is someone who is basically a rich person, you know, over a million in net worth um, and a certain uh, household income per year. And typically, that means the check sizes need to be in the twenty-five to fifty thousand dollar range. Now, um, that uh, works just fine, but it eliminates the ability for uh, people who may not be uh, wealthy or who want to uh, invest smaller amounts to invest. And under the JOBS Act, uh, uh, you can now effectively crowdsource for equity. And there's a big distinction. Classic crowdsourcing is typically like doing pre-orders, you know, uh, like uh, committing to buy a knife from a company who's uh, a startup making knives. And when they get to a million dollars of pre-commitments, they get paid that money and then they can go build their knife. Here it's crowdfunding for actual equity. Um, and uh, this is really exciting for us because it allows anyone who's interested in TerraCycle and has been watching us or intrigued in our business model, you know, listening to this discussion, uh, to uh, invest. The minimum investment is $700, so it's uh, much lower uh, than normal uh, financings. Um, and by the way, if anyone uh, wants to learn more about it, whether uh, uh, you're looking to potentially invest in TerraCycle or whether you just want to learn about what does a Regulation A financing physically look like, um, please go to own, uh, so O-W-N, TerraCycle.com. Again, that's ownterracycle.com. And there uh, you can read all about it. Um, and, you know, we just launched this, uh, and it's incredible how fast uh, people are, uh, are uh, joining. We already have uh, 
uh, well over 650 investors who've joined in the first uh, two weeks. Um, and uh, we feel like we'll be able to raise the 25 million we're seeking um, probably within 90 days based on the rate at which uh, capital is already coming in, which by the way, will make it the largest non-real estate reggae in history, um, which we're quite excited wow. about. Um, wow. But it's a great way for an entrepreneur uh, to be able to access uh, it, you know, uh, our own customers as investors. Um, uh, we have you know, over uh, 50 million people in the United States collecting waste uh, in TerraCycle's uh, business. And, and a lot of those people, I think, will want to be uh, investors and join our movement, um, not just by collecting waste, but by, uh, uh, but by um, you know, being uh, an investor. And it's also for us a great way to feel what it's like to be a public company. This is not an IPO, uh, mm -hmm. but it's, um, you know, we have to file with the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission. We have to report formally to the SEC. Um, so that sort of back of house uh, focus, uh, similar to what it's like to be a public company, will will be in play, um, uh, and we will have a very broad group of investors. You know, uh, we'll also be paying dividends. Uh, uh, so, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, really exciting pieces. Um, you know, that that this brings us to, and it's sort of the next generation. It also allows us to really get to the ability to go public because, um, you know, as mentioned, we're about a thirty million dollar business. We believe we need to get to about um, 60, 70 to go public on the NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange, uh, you know, a reasonable uh, exchange board um, mm -hmm. or a, a highly credible one. And uh, uh, we think we can do that in three ways. You know, one is to buy more companies um, like we did with AirCycle. Uh, and there, having capital uh, uh, is, is you know, obviously critical. The second is to continuously to organically grow our business. And we think that, um, you know, again, we can do that uh, and we can even accelerate that with infusions of capital. And then the third is uh, uh, looking at, you know, big bets. And that whole durable platform we discussed earlier is an example of one such uh, big bet. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, and so uh, you mentioned you're looking to raise $25 billion, right? That's right. Great. Um, and so... You know, with all this, there, it's still fairly early days for, you know, you mentioned you're the going to be the first non-real estate uh, company, you know, one of the largest non-real estate companies to That's do right. this. Um, so it's still fairly uncharted territory. Did that, um, how did that impact your decision to go this route? You know, it's very much so. I think uh, you raise a very good point. You know, reggae's uh, as a concept are very, very new. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so... When you go into something like that where there isn't a huge uh, background um, and a lot of cases to look at, we were very careful. Um, we interviewed huge amounts of uh, lawyers, brokers, uh, and, and the ecosystem that's involved in putting a reggae together. Um, we talked to a lot of companies that have gone through reggae's, and we constantly, you know, this is what I really challenged my team who was organizing this, we constantly asked the question, why shouldn't we do this? What are the risks? What are the reasons we should say no? And we constantly challenged ourselves. And at the end, as we went through this, and it took you know six to nine months of really hard work. We decided that you know what there are. It really seems good, uh, and there's not many key reasons to uh, to not execute a reggae. And so that's why we decided to jump in and uh, and put it together. And uh, frankly, so far, so good. But it. But I think you have to be very careful when you go into these uncharted places, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and not to rush because, for example, one of the things we said is we can't raise a small amount of money because if we only raise a million or two, the cost of maintaining that and reporting to the SEC and so on will uh, uh, overtake the amount you raise very quickly. And then what's mm -hmm. the point? 
Right. Got it. Yeah. Um, so, um, say, you know, I'm, um, you know, average, um, listener and I'm sure many of our, um, you know, mother, many of our classmates at Bard or anyone who's listening, you know, could be intrigued by this idea of, you know, getting on board in the, yeah. the sort of, uh, equity campaign. Um, what would be your sort of, what would be your pitch? If you, you know, you've already given us some pretty good reasons why we might be intrigued, but yeah. You know. um, so look, why would someone want to invest in TerraCycle? And again, if they're interested, own TerraCycle.com uh, uh, is the uh, is the place to go. I mentioned that too because the whole SEC filing is there. A lot of really good information and detail. Mm -hmm. Now, why invest? One is, you know, you could, uh, it's the first time you'd have a chance to invest at TerraCycle where the minimum investment isn't $50,000. Um, $700 is the investment. So you can take a much smaller risk. Um, you'd be buying a part of TerraCycle US, uh, which is our largest uh, country. Uh, it makes up well over 50% of our revenue. Um, we're a very stable, you know, we're not a startup. Uh, we've been around for 15 years and grown and straight every year have grown. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, growing profitable, stable business with good cash reserves. Um, and we'll be paying dividends out um, every year, you know, to investors in the U.S. company. So we've guaranteed that at minimum 50% of uh, profits uh, will be paid out in dividends. So not only will you own a part of the business, but you'll also get a check um, every, uh, every year from us, um, uh, as long as we're profitable, which we have been for, for, for many years. And uh, that's unique. Most startups do not pay uh, uh, dividends, you know, when you take equity in them. In addition, you know, because we're not a startup and because globally we're a $30 million business, the, the, we're closer to an exit, you know, uh, uh, and a big payday than a classic startup would be. Um, our intention, you know, but when we get to 60 or 70 million in revenue uh, is to look at uh, possibly going public. And when that happens, um, that's a big payday for anyone who invested in the uh, Regulation A financing. Um, so, you know, bottom line, uh, from a finance point of view, you're investing in a stable company that's been around for a while, has only grown, is profitable, pays dividends, um, and uh, liquidity event is, uh, you know, is in the horizon or a, or a, a public offering. Um, now, the other reason, that's all the financial reasons, you know, all the mm -hmm. reasons uh, that your pocketbook will be happy uh, as an investor. But TerraCycle's entire purpose is to eliminate the idea of waste. Everything we do moves that needle forward. And so you can also be a part of that. Um, so you know that your money isn't just um, making you, know, you uh, dividends and uh, returns and growing in value, but it's also helping create really meaningful uh, 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 changes you know, to the crisis that is waste today. Um, you know, it, it, we started the discussion, you know, uh, by, uh, you know, the award the United Nations gave us for our work in ocean plastic. That's the second award we've received from the UN. And I think we have over 200 awards for, uh, uh, you know, the, the work we do around eliminating the concept of, uh, of waste. And uh, you can be a big part of that, you know, so I think it's all those things combined. Great. Cool. Thank you. So, yeah, check out um, ownterracycle.com. So I think we're probably coming pretty close to our time, but I guess last, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, maybe going public in a few years, but yeah, what is, what are your hopes and dreams for TerraCycle, say five years from now? Well, look, I think, you know, public is not, you know, is not the end game. It's just another way to keep growing. Um, so it's definitely something we're seriously exploring. Uh, um, but really, our goal is to continue to grow. You know, we really think there is tremendous uh, amount of work to do. Uh, I think we're, we're asking the right questions, which is how do we, make objects that are not recyclable, recyclable? How do we then uh, integrate recycled material back into objects? 
And then how do we move away from disposability altogether? And those are our three key business units, and they all have a lot of room to grow. And again, we think, uh, you know, between acquiring companies and organic growth, um, there's a huge future ahead of us. A um, uh, lot of time, a lot of, you know, work still to do, um, but also a really exciting business future. So, um, you know, I'd say sort of upward and onward. Um, and, you know, let's keep doing what we're doing. Great. Yeah, thank you so much for that, Tom. No, it's my pleasure. It was, re- it was real fun to chat with you. You can learn more about TerraCycle by visiting TerraCycle.com. Join us for the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, March 2nd. We'll be speaking with Anne de Carbuccia, artist and creator of One Planet, One Future, and founder of the Time Shrine Foundation. The Bard MBA in Sustainability is one of a select few graduate programs globally that fully integrates sustainability into a core business curriculum. Learn more at mba.bard.edu.